Welcome to Education Rx. The education system in the U.S. is sick, and we all need to find ways to heal it. I'm Holly Bronson. I'm Shannon Donaway. Together, we have almost 50 years of experience working as professionals in a school setting. We may not have all the answers, but we're looking for people who have a piece of the solution puzzle. This is Education Rx. All right, so today we're going to do our recap of the season. And the reason we're going to do that is because on our first season, when we look at our analytical data, it looks like the number one episode that we have for both seasons is our recap of season one. And I think maybe people are going there to just kind of learn about us a little bit, maybe, you know, hear from the people behind the scenes or whatever, but, or just to know what we covered during the season. So what, for whatever reason, people want to hear this. So we're going to review all the episodes we did and uh, tell you some things that happened behind the scenes. (laughs) There were some embarrassing moments, particularly for me, technical difficulties, but we are going to have a discussion. And so Shannon, my co-host, is going to join in. Kieran, our audio engineer and production person who gets it all together, making it nice. And then Courtney Ham, who many of you have never heard about before. She is basically our executive producer and making all of these things happen for us. And it's an amazing thing. And we appreciate her so much for that because she has a passion for helping education get better and supporting educators. And so she is putting in her personal energy, time, money, all those good things to make sure that we can get this out to you guys. So welcome. Good to be here. Awesome. I'm so glad we get to do this. Yeah. So this was an incredible season. It was. It was really good. I really liked all of our interviewees. So Kieran, as our producer, our audio engineer, he has to listen to these episodes probably many times as he goes through and edits them and makes them sound nice. I'm going to start with you. What was your favorite episode this season? It's tough because each one of them kind of has their own little, little thing that I think is really cool. I have, I get to pick out the quotes at the beginning of the episode. So I have to listen to, I get to go through all of them and, you know, pick up my favorite ones kind of deal. I'm going to be honest. I think it's kind of a tie between Doug Fisher and Sam, uh, Sam Carey in episode seven. They both really talked a lot about getting out, getting out from in front of the, of the classroom and really letting students kind of manage their own learning. Yeah. And just thinking about the schooling I went through, the schooling that my friends go through, and even just the workplace that I'm in at, at the moment, that that critical thinking component of, of understanding why am I learning something and what's the best way for me to learn it right. and figuring that out early is so important. And I think just seeing teachers as a as a, a guiding component rather than like an instructor who has to, you know, beat it into your head kind of thing. It's like, I'm going to help you find a way that's going to work for you. And that those, those two episodes really kind of struck home with me, I think. Good stuff. I like that. episode. It, it was good. And I felt like when he mentioned his website where he's got a test you can take, I can't remember what he called it. The teacher. Next generation teacher. Okay. And he called them the competencies. And um, you can go on and take a little test that show tells you where your strengths are as far as technology goes. And then from there, you get this little thing that says, here's some links to help you 
gain, you know, strength in the areas where maybe you aren't as strong. So super useful information for teachers. And Courtney, your favorite? I will agree with what Kieran just said about those episodes and that piece about stepping out from in front of the classroom and letting the learning learning happen. You're really there to facilitate. I love that. And I got really excited in episode four with Dr. Nagura about the kind of the same thing, but it, it really resonated when he started to talk about, you had kind of asked or given an example about the parallels between like what he was saying about black students being over-identified and then for us in the Southwest, Native American, mm-hmm. and both really came back to allowing them to have that full access to their own culture and language and way of life and let that be something that you and we learn this in ELL training too for English language learners let that be an asset number one in the classroom but number two teaching them how to be almost bilingual or bicultural so that they can understand the layers and and it just then made me think of something else because it was another episode that talked about just the whole direction of inclusion and the way it should be is really meeting kids where they're at in every capacity. So it's, you're, you're meeting them culturally, you're meeting them relationally, you're meeting them linguistically. And it just, and then it like had me bouncing. So it's really hard for me just with my brain to pick one. Because (laughs) as I like take notes on one while I'm listening, I'm like, oh, this person said this in this other one. Because then it was in Doug Fisher's thing. And it was honestly, I think it was at the very beginning when he was just talking about his background. And there was something he said that got me where he was like, oh, that could have been done in a small group with the gen ed teacher, like the regular classroom teacher. And I'm like, oh my God, that applied to so many things I've experienced this school year alone. On top of that is how I was taught to teach just in my master's of teaching program. To me, it seems like common sense. But it's funny how there are so many people and it depends on where they went to school or when they went to school to get their education degree, there are a ton of people who haven't thought about it in that way. And I thought when I was in the conversation with Sam and he said, cause I, you know, I've, we've been trying to ask everybody, what are, you know, just a couple of things, one to three things that you could throw out there that teachers could grab onto and start using tomorrow. And Sam's like, there's only one that teachers need to start like now. And that is stop giving direct instruction. You shouldn't stand in front of a class for more than a minute. And I was like, that is one of those startling comments that get your attention because you're like, what? But then he goes through and explains it and it is lovely. And I thought those are the comments. Like when Dr. Nagura said, you know, we keep thinking we're going to educate these kids so that they can be elevated and leave their culture, leave their community. No, you want to elevate them so they can go back into their culture and community. And help elevate the culture. I mean, that's the other piece because these aren't just like, it's not just like culture, like the way I'm German, you know, it's culture, (laughs) like culture that is repressed, that is not given the opportunity that it should to flourish. And so that's all the more reason to allow 
them to take that back to their culture, elevate themselves within their culture and the people around them, get those people excited about learning and elevating themselves further. I think that we're seeing like, I am on a board of directors for a nonprofit agency for people who have um, Down syndrome. And one of our board of directors is a amazing Native American woman named Winter. And she is highly educated and just the coolest person. And she works within her tribe um, doing human resources stuff for some companies that are owned by people in her tribe. And I just, I love to hear the stories that she shares because she has really struggled to get that education and elevate herself. And the very first thing she wanted to do was go back and support her tribe. And I, I love that. I love that. And as somebody who is, you know, born and raised in America and whitey white girl, I can't help it. That's who I am. That's how I was born. But it's embarrassing to know the history of some of the ways that we have held down people who have such beautiful, beautiful culture and history. So I love to hear that people are so focused on that now about supporting that and helping that come to the forefront, because it's all of our differences and uniqueness that make us interesting as humans. Yeah, I think kind of going along that that line uh, in the first episode, I don't remember who said it. I think it might have been Chris, but he said inclusion is the act of not excluding people. And I am I'm seeing that pop up in so many different ways. I'm not a, I'm not an educator in the traditional sense, but I do a lot of teaching in my job and in my life around me and just some of the concepts around that like it's so crucial i work in technology and i got get to do all the fun computer things but computers don't care whether or not you're inclusive if you can't figure out a way to do the problem it just won't get done you have to think outside the box you have to think in these kind of well what did i forget what did i exclude and when you think about things in that sense, especially and just think about all those things that we're going to have to do as a as a society moving forward. You know, a lot of this season was about technology and how to bring it into the classroom. But if you don't have the mentality of inclusion and diversity and accepting that and taking that as fact instead of as an, something that happens if you do it wrong, you know, I'm sorry, I'm a, I'm a little heated right now because I live in Texas and there currently is a bill in the um, legislature that's about diversity and equality and taking that out of college. And it just, it's so, it doesn't make sense to me because it just, it puts a big giant hamstring on all of the people who are going to need to go out into the world. And I can guarantee you 110%, I will bet my paycheck on it that any company that these people get hired at is going to have a diversity and inclusion department in their company. Absolutely. If if they're expecting to make anywhere above six figures, it's going to have something like that. And they're going to have to navigate it. And if you're taking that experience away from them at this age, like you're, are you really setting them up for success? Getting heated, but you get what I'm saying here is just inclusion and diversity is so important. And just coming right out the gate of like, it's not about, it's not about trying to pick people out. It's saying, I need to make sure that nobody is felt feels excluded. Yeah, and these supports and lessons and things you need to talk about them across all places and they need to be universal not just in the classroom right. and they're part of everyday life. So do it when things are good, also not just 
when things are happening or out, you know, when there's chaos or some sort of event that's impacting students. Right. And I don't know. It's just important. I think it's so cool to see that at the beginning. It, well, and I think that it, it comes up multiple times throughout the whole season about meeting kids where they're at. And that's to me more what inclusion really is than anything yeah. else. And it's meeting them where they're at in any capacity, socioeconomic, cultural, et cetera. But also, because I got really stuck on the one with, was it Will McCoy and Reagan, mm -hmm. the behavior yeah. one? Oh my yeah. God. Mm -hmm. One of the things though, that really came up as I was thinking about all of this is like also meeting kids where they're at with their emotional intelligence and how they learn and how they process. Oh, yeah and think. It's not just special ed. I mean, it, it really isn't. And granted, my lens in college was for special ed. So, but it still always just seemed common sense. Why wouldn't I take a kid who can't do X, Y, Z, but he can do this better than anyone else? Why wouldn't I let him use that as his modality, as his way to express his learning? Um, and my whole like thesis when I was going through my master's program, my whole capstone was about using art or other expressive modalities to allow people to express their needs, their wants, their feelings, their emotions. Why not also their learning? It, it just, you know, which then cycles back to assessment and all the fun things. My brain went nuts this season. I was just like, oh my God. There were so many. It's like impossible to find a favorite because every person we spoke with huge just had lovely things to say that were so powerful and meaningful. One thing that you and I, people may not know, because our second episode with Dr. Andrew Ho, that's kind of some dry material. We were talking about testing and test scores and what do they mean and where does it come from? And some of that stuff may sound dry to people, but we both got off that interview and said, that was one of the best interviewees we've had. Yeah, I think, we, I think we weren't expecting it to be so engaging, the material. Yeah. I just... But it was. And he was in his house, in his basement, in the middle of a storm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it was interesting that when we interviewed Dr. Salberg, our final interview of the season, which was also awesome, as I was watching it back and making the preview video, and I was listening yeah. to him talk about how in America, we just don't really respect or protect our teachers as a culture, politically, and how it's created things like this insane amount of testing and unkindness toward teachers and disrespect towards teachers. And part of why we even started this podcast was we want to elevate teachers in this society. We've got to get back to that. I agree 100%. <laughs> teachers deserve so much more respect than they get just across the board. And I mean, yeah. it's that simple. I absolutely loved when he was talking about that because it made me think of so many things the amount of stress. I mean, I had a, a friend just say she's got kids in her class, third graders that are in therapy because of test anxiety that like that shouldn't be. No, well, I think the interesting thing that you brought up, too, is like the teachers need that space to like flex their own creative muscles and find their own ways to solve problems. And so but when you have the kids and the teachers working together, Right. Where the teacher has the knowledge and the immaturity to say, OK, I can recognize the differences here and I 
and work with that. And the kids understand that I am a human and I have a certain bandwidth. So I need to, I need to give you a task to do something and I will come back and check on you and giving them that responsibility and that autonomy. And you build that trust relationship between it. And it's like, I don't know. I just, it's so important. And I am glad that it popped up so often. And especially when Dr. Salberg was kind of, he kind of like, he, he was a great like wrap up. He hit almost right. all the different topics in one area. Like the four main things was get students to lead their own learning in some way, get the development cycle longer. So like we were talking, especially, what was it? Episode with Andrew Ho, episode two, talking about standardized testing and how like kind of the pressure from parents is what caused that to go so far on one side, but giving yeah. that developmental space, right? But between testing years, stop fighting the technology, find a way to use it and give the support and space to teachers to like teach, to do their job. And let's like, you support the students, you support the teachers and it'll all work together. It just kind of all works out. So it was just, it was really cool to hear him kind of put that cherry on top with everything. And it wasn't even our intention that he would wrap up like that, but he did such a beautiful job. It was funny because in the very first episode, when we were talking with Mike and Karen and Chris, from Inclusive Learning 365. Phenomenal book. If you don't own it, go buy it. And the really handy thing in their book is also at the end of the list of things we should probably stop doing. <laughs> right. I mean, there was a good list of things like, hey, maybe let's not do this anymore. Which I, I thought it. was very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Because it has so many great tools. But one of the things that popped up right away was standardized testing. Because... In this country, especially since COVID happened, even before that, it was already going this way. But since COVID, we are seeing so many social emotional issues and behavioral issues in classrooms that are stopping education, stopping teachers from being able to do their job. And we're seeing so many people in our culture saying it's the teacher's fault. And it goes so much deeper than that. And testing yeah. is one of the things that really causes so much anxiety and stress. And hearing from the very first day when we're coming out of the gate, you know, we test too much, so much. And teachers are forced by the state, by their district to teach to the standards that they're going, the students are going to be tested on. So if doing a science experiment that could really expand their understanding doesn't fit within those standards, they don't get to do it. And we're not thinking about critical thinking. We're not thinking about, you know, that overarching skill level of being able to problem solve. And I mean, we talk about it, but at the end of the day, we have to teach to standards. So we don't have as teachers flexibility in that. That is a problem. And it's because of standardized testing. And when we were going to talk to Andrew Ho, the whole purpose was to talk about those NAEP scores and how they were so low post-COVID. But then he starts talking about standardized testing. And I thought, I just really appreciated him as a national expert on testing that he was willing to say, oh, we test way too much. And we do it because we have to, because voters made us. And I, I thought that that was brave of him to say, because it's the truth. And we all need to hear that because I'm a parent. And I would like to say, I don't feel like kids need to get tested every year. You know, maybe at those those key times that NAEP tests is enough. Think of all the money we could put back into the schools because <laughs> we spend about $2 billion on this. Come on, people. Well, and also just 
maybe engaging students more. Students have changed, but teaching really hasn't very much, right? Like yes, our kids are really different than when we were in school and when our parents were in school. But teaching is pretty much still the same. I mean, there are a few schools and programs here and there that have changed and are doing things differently, but overall education has not changed much. Oh my gosh. Well, and what's interesting about that is that we put all this emphasis on all this extra testing and the countries that are showing that they are doing better than us, how often are they testing? It's not the same. And, you know, there are, there are so many articles. There was an article in the Atlantic about what, how Finland has changed things. And one of the things that I really I was like itching for Salberg to say, and maybe he did at the end, but I, I didn't catch it at the end, but I was really wanting him to go more in depth about just the Finnish way of life and how they hit that happiness ranking all the time too, because- yeah, We didn't uh, get to talk uh, about that. Who else was talking about time, that? Limited time, we ran out. <laughs> I know. Somebody else mentioned it in one of the other episodes though, and it was like, yeah, because, oh, because you had asked- about the equity component with testing and and then we were asking like you look at the components that like if you were looking at how well we do in spite of a lot of things that we have against us in this country there's a lot of things that we deal with in in this country that other countries don't have to deal deal with so even though we didn't make the top 10, we tested fairly well considering, and we were trying to like focus on some positives about our country as opposed to negatives. But the thing that stood out to me was taking into account the way of life of the students in all the places that get tested. And why, I mean, we talk about inclusion, we talk about meeting kids where they're at. We also have to address the, the way of life for so many of these kids is not typical across the board. And it can't be like, we talk about standardized testing, standardized tests have to be normed. What population are they norming these off of? Because we were having that problem in special ed. We have all these academic diagnostic, cognitive diagnostic, all these tools that our special ed team uses. What populations are those normed for? I think that some things need to be updated because even the stuff that we use day in, day out, why do we over-identify Native American students, Black students, in some places, Asian students? Denver got dinged big on Asian students a few years back when I worked for them. Because this, the tests we use aren't normed for kids that are typical to that population. They're normed to white kids, you know, medium income populations and communities. We're, you know, we're not looking at how is a kid going to test compared to the other kids that live in their same neighborhood, their same socioeconomic level. None of that's the same. And all of those things, there's more and more evidence every, I swear, every year I hear something else that there is more to how a kid learns than just how they show up at school, all the layers of their life, the layers of their family history cultural backgrounds. Now there's all the evidence that supports that you can have trauma from generations back. And all of those things are important to address when we're talking about the shared trauma of COVID. 
and then now generational trauma. And now all these kids are lacking skills and I'll cycle back to behavior because I always do. Why couldn't we put a halt on some academics after COVID and just focus on teaching children how to be humans yeah. in a society? Ask questions. I've heard that a lot. That's inner- coming up a lot. Yeah, that social economic piece is so, the spotlight is on it, but I don't think anybody's looking in, in the way they need to. Like it's mm-hmm. such a red flag that gives such a good inf- information about like, hey, we're missing so many things here. This is a great area to try and test out some different strategies yeah. that we can use across the, the board here. Because like you're saying, like, what is the standard in a, in a country that's considered a melting pot? Like, how do you, how do you mm-hmm. level set that? Something I've been thinking about on that end too. So it's kind of interesting. So it's interesting because we've had a couple people, the author, Mike and Karen and Chris from Inclusive Learning, and then Sam Carey from Next Generation Teacher and New Ed Tech Classroom, talking about how AI is just a reality and we need to not fight against it. We need to figure out how to embrace it and bring it in and make it meaningful. And I think that when we're looking at, um, at the end of the day, when we hear from Dr. Salberg about the quality of living and helping people be good humans, and then we look at that socioeconomic piece, and Reagan was talking about in episode six, how Maslow's laws, if you are hungry, if you didn't get sleep because you were up all night listening to your parents fight, if you are homeless and you were trying to just find a place to sleep with your family that night, like all of those things, if those needs aren't met, you can't show up for academics. Like it is physically impossible. It's not just that you're a weak person. It is physically impossible for your nervous system to go to that higher cognitive level when it is so dysregulated. And so we have to think of all those pieces. And I think, I think that the thing you said that really resonates there is that all of those things are compounded too. It's not like they happen one time. For some of these kids, that is a daily occurrence. What stresses you can impact you negatively because if your cortex is closed, you know, and if you're just not able to process things because you're so stressed, you're not absorbing anything new. And, you know, the fact that when you're stressed or you're in a in a scared or traumatic state that your cognition actually lowers that's stuff that people don't think about and uh, and i think it was dr nagura who talked about training for the people maybe it was him training for the teachers that have to go into the schools and be able to do this yes. like how are you going to train teachers to recognize when a kid is feeling stressed when a kid is feeling anxious, afraid, who knows, or they're just exhausted and stressed about life because their life is what it is. Those are all pieces that come in. But then on top of that, it's so much more than that because you have to teach about cultural differences and how to be open to that, how to utilize what a student brings to the table to help them thrive rather than stifle it. Like that's all stuff that people don't naturally know how to do necessarily, especially in an educational arena. It's not taught in schools. At least it wasn't when I was going to school. Well, and nobody teaches us as educators (laughs) 
you're absolutely going to mess it up and that's okay. And yes. about yes. stress because in the middle of my interview with Sam Carey, who I was so excited about, it was really hard to track him down and, and find time because he's such a busy guy. And he was so nice about coming on the show and giving us his time. And then at the last minute, Shannon had to leave to go to an IEP. And so I'm winging it. I'm by myself. And we're having this conversation. It starts getting really good. And my computer died. Just complete blackness. And I'm like, oh, no. (laughs) And so I had to try and get it to work. It didn't work. I had to run down to my car and get another computer, come upstairs. And when I got back on, he's just hanging out all nice <laughs> and i'm just like oh, oh hey there you are oh my gosh oh my gosh and he's like oh it's okay man i've had all the people think i'm techie but i'm not that techie which he's super techie because <laughs> he he minimizes that but he just was like don't worry about it and i thought you know what i have a good friend named becky shorey in the denver area she works for jeffco and i've said under her for a lot of training for ed tech and one thing she always says is it's going to mess up it's not going to work. You need to plan for that because the first time or two you do it, there's going to be errors or you're going to give something that every kid can access and somebody's going to mess up or erase somebody else's thing. And you need to know how to go back and undo that. And that's where that digital citizenship comes in because other kids are going to be like, dude, stay off my slide or don't mess up my stuff. And it's a learning curve. And I think teachers need to hear it is a learning curve. Don't be afraid. Don't shy away from these things. You get stressed too. And we all mess it up. I messed it up big time. <laughs> and it was okay. And we had a great episode come out of that anyway. And you're human. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we're human. I make mistakes all the time. And I just, you, if I dwell on them, I'm not going to get anything done. It makes sense that we're all in this like boat right now going through this because it parallels all of our lives. Like it's our kids' lives. It's our lives. Even just this conversation about making a silly mistake, like having your computer die or me not reading all of that um, inclusion 365 and not knowing until I listened to the episode that the last three fourths were daily tips. We're human. We you, make mistakes. You got to read the whole test and I, then you yeah, go back and do it, right? <laughs> <laughs> that actually is such a good tip. Kids in cars, listen to that tip. Read your whole test before you start answering and then you can go back and start answering. It's really helpful. And for adults, that works for work emails too. Ooh, mm. Yeah, that's a good one. Take it from personal experience. Oh, no. <laughs> Read the whole email before responding. <laughs> Even adults make mistakes, kids. It <laughs> and we need to be so much more empathetic for our kids when they're making mistakes. And I think we need to move away from calling them mistakes. It's kind of like that whole concept that we got into a couple times about gamer mentality. And the reason in ed tech we like to bring that up is because when students are playing games, specifically, games online, like digital games, you know, PlayStation, all that kind of stuff. There is an expectation that you're not going to get it right the first time. You're going to find places where you mess up and stop and have to go back and start again, but you learn every time and you're working toward mastery. And Sam Carey kept talking about, we need to get rid of an A to F grading system or a numbered grading system. And we need to be teaching to mastery and letting kids 
go out there and try things and have the response not be what they expected and use yeah. that to learn from it. And I think in life, I like to say there's not mistakes. It's just, I tried that. It didn't work out the way I wanted. And so now I'm going to do it a different way. We need to do that in education and stop being so critical and so confined and really let kids have that freedom to be creative and trial and error and learning and mastery. Well, wasn't it Edison or, or no? One of those guys that might've been Edison or the other Thomas Jefferson said, I didn't fail at making a light bulb. I just found a hundred and however many ways not to make it, you know? And it was yeah, that last was time, yeah. the time after that said it. I'm, I'm probably butchering that quote terribly, but I remember it and it read, you know, I think it means the same thing. It's the same idea. You're going to fail. There was this awesome quote that used to be painted on the walls in our school that said, your greatest teacher is your last mistake because you learn so much from making mistakes. And so why not encourage kids to make mistakes and not feel bad about it? Encourage kids to try and fail, not so that they feel horrible. You're not setting them up to fail so that they fail all through life, but teach them how to fail. Teach them how to take it. That's the other thing. Kids can't take failure. Yes, My gosh, they fail and they crumble. Their little faces and the looks on their faces when they feel like they can't do it and they start to cry and it's horrible. And I mean, and I get the worst because I got the little ones and on their faces, it destroys you every time. Why make them feel that way? Yeah. Why not let them see that, oh, that's one way to do it. Can I show you a different way? I think Kieran can speak to mistakes because his uh, primary job is to go through and erase all of ours. <laughs> you guys don't have a whole lot of mistakes. Like it really doesn't. The big thing is removing all the ums from everyone's uh, speech, not just yours. Like every every interview, everybody does ums. It's unavoidable. That's, it takes an, and I have to pass through it the first hour is just taking out the ums and then I go for the audio. <laughs> Oh, that's I fun. think too, there are plenty of times when I know in the first episode, we were talking to Karen and she started to say something in the middle of her sentence. She's like, I completely lost my train of thought. I can't yep. <laughs> better edit this yeah. out. And when it came to me the first time, the first edit, I told Karen, go back and take that out. <laughs> Cause it was funny. And I was like, oh, what I thought it was good. It and then I felt bad. So we took it out. <laughs> yeah. I, I, and it's she the thing is like, I miss small things like that too. Well, I mean, Everybody. it's fun and we want we want listeners to get to hear the funny stuff too because sometimes we're covering so much intense information and yeah. so we want to make it lighthearted and it was really cute and funny because then there was an exchange between she and Mike and whatever, but, you know, I wanted to honor the fact she asked me to take it out. So we took it out, but it was there and it was great. And Karen was hilarious. She she was a great sport. <laughs> Yes. Was so there anything any other any other folks that? out there for the interviews? You're good to go. I'll take care of it. <laughs> I always Was tell there? them that too. In fact, it's in our when we send them before they come on the show a couple of weeks in advance. We send them a list of questions we'd like to ask, and we send a couple instructions, you know, about making sure that their background is good and you know they're not going to get interrupted and whatever. And then we tell them, and then when we get on, we tell them again, hey, if you make a mistake, you can stop. We can start again. We have a great audio engineer. He's going to go edit this. And they're always like, oh, Hugh. And then in the middle, they'll be like, you'll take that out, right? <laughs> like, I'm we trying got to you. remember, <laughs> where are we at? <laughs> yeah. 
I was going to ask, has there been anything really funny that anybody has asked you to take out that like, without, I don't want to like embarrass Mm -hmm. anyone if they were really like, oh my God, mortified, don't say it. But was there anything where you were like, oh. We haven't had any juicy comments yet. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't come across anything. Going for juicy per se, but just sort of. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, this is about education. We're, you know, we're not going. Sometimes people (laughs) have a moment of honesty and say something, and then when we stop recording, they're like, "Oh my God, will you go back and take that out?" So Kieran doesn't always get to hear that. And we did have one episode this season where that happened, (laughs) uh, where the person made some comments about people in hierarchy of education mm-hmm. <laughs> having some personalized goals and mm-hmm. it was a very blunt comment that I thought was very fair but then they came back and said you know I'm not I'm not trying to be rude to these people <laughs> or whatever can you cut that out and so I, I we got that out of there but there's yeah sometimes people say things and and then it's funny because I wouldn't have noticed it and they ask us to go back and take it out. And in season one, we had that happen once where a comment was made that was really benign, but just to be sensitive, we took it out. And that one I, I totally get, but sometimes it happens. Everyone it's shall funny. remain nameless. <laughs> I mean, it is funny that I even ask because it's it's about education, like how salacious gonna get, but yeah, <laughs> it is funny. Just to, it's always funny to me to think about those like behind the scenes moments where people go back and reflect on what they said. They're yeah. like, wait a minute. People are listening to this. I don't really want them to perceive me in a negative light. Like I'm, I'm sure. trying to send this good kind of message. Yeah. So, well, and um, it was really nice this season. We're talking about some heavy stuff, and most people yeah. were really hopeful and talking about things that were positive. And I really appreciated that because I don't want educators and families and students to feel overwhelmed. So it's really nice that they do that. And I, so we're on social media, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter and Instagram. We just started a YouTube channel. Please subscribe all those subscriptions. And when you watch our videos and like it, change the algorithm, it's good stuff. But we just started a TikTok and I found this group called board teachers. I'm going to give them a shameless promo here because they are so funny and we're going to have to get them on the show this summer because they read like real notes to, that parents have written to teachers. Oh my God. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I, and I can have, believe it. I can hundred percent believe it. Oh, you guys look them up and, and watch some of them. One of them was a parent wrote in and said, can I please have your phone number to the teacher so that when my child is misbehaving at home, I can call you. He will listen to you. He won't listen to me. <laughs> Seriously, this was wrong in America and in education. This was wrong. We actually What's have- What's the hourly rate for that? I know, right? <laughs> uh, hopefully not what they're getting paid as teachers because that's ridiculous. In the, the fall, upcoming in the fall, over the summer, we're going to be doing a lot of- mini series and short things on vlogs and video podcasts and then podcasts we'll be putting out. So keep your eye out. We're going to have a lot of fun, hot topic things coming out. And then in the fall, we're sponsoring a new podcast called Tales from the Classroom. And you guys, you're going to love this. It's going to be such a great comic relief. It will be real stories, but they will be read as if we were in Tales from the Crypt. It's going to be so fun. So you guys keep your eye out for that. It is coming. Please have me on that. Is that the one with Riker? 
from Star Trek. No. I don't remember what, is it, what the actor's name is. You're so young, Karen. I know. I'm a weebab. I can't help it. <laughs> a weebab. Yeah, Tales from the Crypt had like this creepy animated skeleton. Skeleton guy. Yeah. You'll have to Google gross. it. I'll have to Google it. That's ringing and a he big would, like, He would bell. cackle like right at the end before the credits. It'd be like, <laughs> it was really pretty awful. I was really young when that I out. need to check this out now. <laughs> so good though. It is going to be so good. And we have a good friend named Matt Clark, who is a, a high school special education teacher who's super creative. And he's going to be doing some of the hosting on that. He's so funny. Um, but we're going to have some good, good stories, things that people listening will not believe. You won't need to be in education to appreciate it. <laughs> it's going to be really great. So we definitely are trying to use Education Rx as a platform to help get information to educators, information to families. Honestly, information to citizens of the United States and the world, we actually get listened to all around the world. Um, Australia, India, Europe, I'm trying all to think over. of, yeah, everywhere and all over the United States. We are trying to get good information out because the little humans that are in education right now and struggling are going to be the leaders one day. And I hear a lot of people in my generation, which we won't talk about that generation, what generation that is, but I hear them say, well, we'll be dead by then. No, actually we won't. And we will be retired and won't really have the ability to make some of the changes that need to happen. So we need to be concerned about what's happening in education right now and how these little people are becoming adult humans because it's going to matter. It will affect us all. We want politicians to listen. So we do cover some heavy stuff, but we do want to honor the lighthearted side of things and have a good laugh because, you know, we all work hard. And at the end of the day, we need to laugh. We should try to get some more politicians. Yes, actually, that is something that is on the agenda. So I have a very dear friend and she was in season one on uh, the episode, I think it was six, where we talked about special education during COVID and the impact. She is an attorney. And she and I were having this conversation on Friday night because we play Bunko. I know that's <laughs> people think, but we play Bunko and she and I were hanging out afterward talking and catching up. And I was telling her how it's just heartbreaking. I watched the district I was in this year struggling with about, I'm going to say off the top of my head, at least four lawsuits of families upset about things. And don't get me wrong. I know it happens. I know that there are times when this is legitimate, but I also have watched in the district I was in in Colorado and the district I'm here in New Mexico recently have all these lawsuits that were really expensive and time consuming and were not legitimate. And so we were having this conversation about how this doesn't happen in other countries. And Dr. Salberg in episode eight talked about one of the number one things Finland does is protect their teachers, even mm -hmm. from lawsuits. Yep. And that's important. We waste billions of dollars on this every year. It's ridiculous. And that money could be going back into supplies and teacher salaries and those things. She made a comment that I thought was lovely that could potentially be a solution. And we're going to do at least two episodes on this, if not more. And we are going to get some legal people who specialize in education law on to talk about that because this is something that is really a hot topic among educators, among families, and we need politicians to listen to that because we need to make some political decisions about what the boundaries are on that. Definitely. Well, and I think it's important to 
piggyback on that and talk about that trust piece. We have lost the trust of families in a huge way. And I, and I think that getting more people to pay attention to what's going on and what we have to struggle through, like through this podcast and bringing that information and awareness is part of it. But it also, you know, it ties right back in with inclusion because it ties right back in with allowing kids to have that joy in learning again. Because if they keep wanting to go back and they're learning things that are meaningful and important to them, to their families, to their culture, we will gain that trust. We will earn that trust. And right now we don't have it. So, you know, yes, awareness, let's get, let's get politicians to hear this because I think it was Dr. Nagura who said, like, unfortunately we got a lot of like political red tape kind of in the way of changing a lot of the stuff that needs to change. So there's definitely a need for politicians to get in there, but there's also a need for us to change our practice and our thinking and our mindset. And so I think that that's the other piece that if we think about how you earn trust, you earn trust by performing, you earn trust by showing kids and families what learning looks like, not what their score is on a piece of paper. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because they're humans, they're not numbers. We've said that so much, you know, they're humans. We talk about humans. Um, (laughs) And I've heard, I've heard, I've heard the term before, we need to run school more like a business. A business is in the in in the a business is in the business of providing goods and or services. There is an output. And while I understand that it's easy to make that comparison of school to business and everything, it takes the human out of it. And looking at education with strong systems and clear expectations and boundaries. And I am a believer of that. And I feel like we need to get that concept out there and people need to normalize that in their brains so that we can start pushing for that because that can really be a game changer. And in the countries that they use that model, They aren't having the behavior issues. They aren't having the academic fallout. They aren't having the teacher's mass exodus like we are here in the United States. And so even if you hear that concept and your first reaction is to shy away from it, choose to be open to that because we may have things to learn. We may be the richest nation in the world and we may be throwing the most money at education out of any country. But that doesn't mean that we're on top of it. We have things that we could get better at. And this could be one of them. Well, and follow our own research. As our last interview said, Dr. Solberg, they're not using their own research. They're using our research that we just have not adopted. Right? Yeah. When we asked them, like, how do you know, why are you guys waiting until what we would consider second grade to really start doing letters and numbers and all that academic stuff? And he said, oh, well, we used research from the United States. Well, why are your teachers only teaching, you know, three to four hours a day versus the five to six, eight hours that our teachers teach? Oh, well, we got research from the United States. And ultimately, all the research came from the United States, which he called the best research in the world. And then he said, they're just better at adopting it and using it. And And he said, your country is like the only country that doesn't use it. (laughs) It's our research, but we don't use it. Yeah. Well, maybe that's something we need to start thinking about for next season. How do you run education? Do you run it like a business? (laughs) We're trying to make good humans. 
what does that look like? You know, how do we, how do we make some changes and, and how do we support parents in parenting so that the expectation isn't on teachers to parent? Because I think part of the reason why parents are asking for so much from teachers is because they feel like they're not equipped to do it. Why is that happening? How do we support that as a country, not necessarily as educators, but how do we support that? Like what needs to happen? These are important questions. Oh yeah. I mean, uh, my cousin was talking to me about just her toddler. She's like having a toddler during a pandemic, you lose because you get so sick of fighting with them every day that you no longer hold your own. You give in, you give in, you give in. And then they come to school having not been around other people besides their family forever, however long. And this was in California. So very long. And then they don't know how to be around people. They don't. And they're, and again, they're expecting us, the teachers to fix the problem, to solve the problem. Well, if, if the old adage is that it takes a village why aren't we being the village? Why aren't we getting with parents, working together? I mean, we have to do it on an, in the IEP process. Why not do it across the board? One of our big professional goals for a lot of teachers this year was family engagement. Communicate with the families. Don't just call them when something bad happens. Reach out and let them know just basic things about how their kid is doing so that the family feels connected, so they can trust us and the process and and the system we're in because you know I don't love public education right now but I have to believe in it because I'm part of it and I I go to work every day and I'm not stopping so you know we've got a we got a lot to work with oh well, man I felt like this was a hugely successful powerful season I felt like okay. Shannon and I learned so much in the first season and grew as interviewers she continues to be the sweet one that won't interrupt people. And I continue to be the annoying one that does interrupt them. But we've only got so much time, people. We got to ask these you questions. You need a sweet and you need a salty. Yin and yang. We got amazing people. Yin and yang. Thank you, Kieran, for yeah. giving something a little bit more. <laughs> Kieran with not the contribution. Yin and yang. I got you. Whatever direction <laughs> I was going in was not the right. And uh, what people need to know is off camera, off microphone shannon and i are actually really really good friends yeah. we're trying and you know what i just want to give props to chris Bouja. i can't say his last name isn't Author. it Bouja? i don't know <laughs> b-u-g-a chris from episode one <laughs> yes <laughs> mike marota karen janikowski andrew ho doug fisher Pedro Nagura, Will McCoy, Reagan Rogers, James Sam Carey, and Posse Salberg. All of these amazing, wonderful people donated their time to talk with us because they care about education and they care about educators and they want to see those positive changes. And so we were just really appreciative of that. So I just want to give them an extra shout out. We have no idea what we're going to do for another season in the fall, but we're going to do a lot of fun stuff over the summer and try and tap into some things that people have brought up. And we're going to be, please follow us on social media. We're going to be putting out questions and asking for you guys to give us information, suggestions, your thoughts. And then we're going to be reading some of those responses and questions on air when we're doing our podcast. Please follow our YouTube channel. It is Education RX Podcast. 
So YouTube at Education RX Podcast. We will be having all kinds of videos on there. If you send us questions, comments, all of those things, you may see it come up on there. We will give you a shout out. Board teachers, I'm coming for you. You better be ready. <laughs> I emailed you today. <laughs> we'll be talking to you and other awesome teachers who are on social media and sharing great, funny, awesome, wonderful things. We're just excited about what's happening and where we're going and really looking forward to doing more. Yeah. Awesome. Breath word. All right. Well, Kieran, you have been phenomenal. I know this, this specific season, we both had like a million things going on. I bought a house. I moved, you had to move and job changes. I'm, I'm in the process and, of moving. So, <laughs> oh, you know, it's yeah. a lot going on. We have real lives too. Wow, well, thanks for your time. I know you just get it done and we're so grateful. And Courtney, thank you for making all this possible. It's been amazing and it has My been pleasure. such a good journey. And we're doing this good has been like kind of the thing I've been looking for, you know, like I've, I've mentioned, oh, I want to put like a fund together and put money towards this or, and it just sort of always felt like it was falling on deaf ears or people didn't take me seriously. So I just love that it's getting to happen and I can put this investment into something that's meaningful. Well, and we're hoping to get to a place where we can have a voice politically and we can potentially do some things that would be beneficial to teachers and educators and students. And so however we get to grow in this process, we are looking forward to that. Absolutely. Thank you for listening. Please, if you don't subscribe to the podcast and you just download it every week, just subscribe. That doesn't mean you have to listen to it every time, but those numbers matter for sponsorships and things like that. So we would appreciate you subscribing and following us wherever we are. Social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all the things. So follow us, find us, talk to us. We can't wait to see you over the summer and next season. Thank you. And we all we always say one thing at the end of every episode. So we'll say it now. I'll say it first, then Courtney, and then Kieran. And then Kieran can overlap all of this. Together, Together we, we can, can do, do better. better. Yeah. All right. We will see you on the up and up. Bye, guys. <laughs> Bye.